thank you for coming and just by signing up, maybe maybe the other ones are full. Uh, but also maybe there's something tugging at your heart in the area of child welfare in the church and how do those things connect. Um, I'll do a little introduction of Harold and myself. Uh, but before we do so, I'm terrible with names, but the good thing is you all have name tags. And so I'll, I'll stick with that. I won't try to remember them. But can you just tell me the region you're from, either the city, maybe let's go with the city, and maybe what your interest is within child welfare. Can we just go around quickly? I know we had talked earlier, West and Christian, and you're part of an organization, Guardians of the Children, Children, right? Yes. Go ahead. No, we're from Fargo, the summit, and I guess just um, in the past worked with different organizations, usually from India. Um, or to Hong Kong and India, with different organizations, including those folks. So just kind of working out how opportunities here. Yeah. Okay. And you're. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's all good. Awesome. I'm Ross, I'm from King's Fellowship. Um, Where's King's Fellowship? It's right beside uh, uh, All Awesome, okay. So, uh, Hi there, welcome. Okay, very good. Yeah. I'm Audra, I'm from the Gate South. I'm here because I'm curious. That's it. <laughs> Curiosity is good. It gets you in trouble, but... Uh, <laughs> got us in trouble. Uh, yeah, she's working in the same office as us, so we're on her advisory for Safe Families. Yeah, yeah, we're connected there. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl, this is Steinbeck. Um, I've been a foster parent off and on for many years, mm-hmm. and um, I just find it interesting and um, with fostering and, and social stuff. And I work for a place called El Dad Ranch. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. And so it's it's always interesting. Yeah. The connection and how I, I think in the Book of Acts, the, the church was probably the welfare. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's yeah. It's a good challenge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My name is Harold. I'm married to Wendy, and um, yeah, we're from Saint Vital, uh, and we have our office just next door at Call. Yeah, so you go at the other side of the tracks. We're right there at the blue roof. Yeah, there's a, a church that opened their their doors to us, and now we're, they're opening it even wider. We might be purchasing it so that when this church and school moves, we will also be a church planting site for Gateway. So we've got a lot of salt and light interconnections there. Our kids go to school here as well. And my name's Wendy. I live here, obviously, with my husband, Harold, and we have children um, in different capacities, some birth children, some uh, adopted children, and or an adopted child that we adopted two years ago from foster care. She's 16. And, um, and another one that calls me mom. Uh, she wants to change her name. She's not paper ours, but um, we're family. And she has a daughter as well. So, so yeah, we have a... We have a United Nations family, I would say. We have represented from Korea, Mennoniteville, and uh, <laughs> as well as uh, two African nations and whoever comes in our door. Um, that's sort of part of our family makeup. 
Um, I'll just quickly, briefly, uh, have any of you heard of Forever Families? I hope the Gateway ones say yes. Uh, you've heard of it. So for those of you... Yeah, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we have introductions? Go ahead. Uh, we're Matt and Helga over from Calvary Chapel. Yes. And uh, we're at Chalara here. Is that? Yeah, just what's your, yeah, interesting uh, welfare or whatever. We want to be part of the solution. Nice. And we have lots of opportunities for you. You want 200,000 kids? Yeah, yeah. Just over 10,000 kids in our, in our province alone. And 90% of them are indigenous. There's a, it's a complex, complex area that we live in. And I know south of the border, we do a lot of stuff in the States, actually. Some of our best mentors are through Christian Alliance for Orphans, uh, the organizers of that. And they've been mentoring us as well as careportal.org. Just came back from Kansas City. U.S. is probably, the U.S. church is probably typically about 10 to 15 years ahead of where the Canadian church is in child welfare. And there's very good reason for that because our our makeup is very different. And we might all think we're all the same and, and there's a lot of similarities for sure. But politically and historically we have different roots and it's created a different outcome for the church and and what we're dealing with, um, though we do have a lot of similarities. Uh, One is we have Medicare. We have a lot of reliance on our social government. Um, Governments in the States sort of do too, but it's different. Uh, In the U.S., the church can be loud and proud, and and, and that's okay. Here in Canada, we've sort of gone under submission, and we say sorry for that too. Uh, We apologize. And we've had a lot of historical errors done on the part of the church in the areas of residential schools and indigenous Stuff. And because here, for example, 90% of the children represented are indigenous, the church and the child welfare, we've sort of kept away like oil and water, and we're not sure how. We know God has called us to care for the children, but we're not sure how, and that chasm on both sides it can be very wide. And um, so now we're just, God put it on our hearts. We were, as I was mentioning, we were talking about our, our some of our line, uh, paths have crossed it through different connections, and before that, we were working in the, the Salvation Army, Herald in the Prisons, and doing community pastoring and, and family therapy, and myself working in community development. And um, we loved our jobs so much. We, we, we worked with the area of people affected by child welfare, but before we even knew that God was going to lead us into starting Forever Families. But in 2013, we had kind of a crisis of, uh, of faith, and which caused us to leave our jobs. Preceding that, we both had woken up to a dream, the same dream, the same night, that God was calling us to to reach out to the fatherless, to reach out to the vulnerable children. And we didn't know what to do with that because we were organizing things on a professional level and helping people in those things. But for us personally, it meant also walking in that journey and opening up our home. As soon as we did that, God kept bringing people before we even signed up for anything. Four years, we had... Birth moms showed up at our doorsteps. We had a university foreign exchange or foreign student uh, show up eight and a half point nine nine 
pregnant and we went rushed to the hospital and she, she lived with us. Um, we had so many different cases and they were all different things and we're like, God, what are you doing here? And we realized that those people, the birth mom that had survived 54 different foster homes, the, the teen that was running away from the foster system that kept coming under a tree because I gave him our Wi-Fi password and, and the, the birth mom and all these different people were like such a wide range of people. We didn't have a post-it no, we didn't sign up for this, but God God was clearly bringing them to us and we look back at those four years and say wow that those were our professors God was preparing us and wrecking us for the ordinary it was no longer just go to work and do this God was bringing it to our doorstep and so there was a time and our, our children were being raised during this time our youngest is eight and ten now but they were being raised in this and there was a time where for maybe a two week period that nobody came to our door nobody was living with us and, and they looked at each other around the table and they said man this is too quiet like when is God going to bring us more people <laughs> so it was a very easy leap for us to go into older child adoption because they had grown up with big brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles that really became near and dear and they ministered to people like we had never seen before people that were struggling with suicide and burn marks and things and here's a two year old coming and bandaging wounds and because she had a heart of compassion and so we often think of going into child welfare well I don't think I'm in the right stage well we weren't necessarily in the right stage we could have said we're busy with ministry we didn't have time but God was entering and he says, no, these people are ministry. And not only are they our ministry, they were ministering to our hearts. Because we realized um, now that we needed our hearts ministered to. We needed our hearts to be broken for the, the brokenhearted. And um, it was a mutual thing. And so we did leave our jobs um, quite unexpected, uncharacteristic of ourselves um, to go on a God-chasing trip across Canada. And so we said, if God wants us to get involved in this, we've got to know what's going on. So we went to anybody and everyone who had anything to do with child welfare that we could come in contact. We did a lot of blind dates, <laughs> a lot of coffee shops, a lot of, hey, how, what is your perspective? Um, teach us. We were the students, and so whether it was government or, or indigenous leaders or foster families or nonprofit organizations in the church or outside of the church, we wanted to learn what is it that God is calling us to do. And we thought maybe we could find another organization to hang our hat on and maybe put our, our back, education backgrounds to use. But even the big organizations that we talked to that could align with it, that had a heart for it, they said, you know what, we've already envisioned a need for a, a national network. Network. And that's something that God was already putting in our hearts because we were networking while we were doing this. And we were saying, you should talk to so-and-so. And did you know that this resource is over there? And because we were being students of this. It was also part of Harold's doctoral studies that we were pursuing at the same time in marriage and family therapy. And so they became our board members, Focus on the Family, Abba Canada, a few others along the way uh, became our board members. Um, and I was scared spitless because we were like, why would we need another organization? There's so many charitable organizations. That was my background. I'm like, I know enough to have staff that deal with admin, staff that deal with the CRA regulations. I don't want to be that person um, dealing with all of that. 
um, that God challenged me and he provided and, and somebody, one of a close mentors said, is that the only thing you're scared of? If God is calling you to do this, you should do it. And by the way, I'll just get my legal team to, to take care of it. They deal with nonprofits all the time. I'm like, I cannot afford your glass tower. Um, but he said, no, 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 it'll be on our tab. And so God already went before us and helped create Forever Families. And there was three things that God put on our hearts when we started this. One, he desires a movement in Canada. And, of course, the U.S. too, because we got infected by the U.S. That was part of our God story that God arrested us and we went back to quit the next week. But God desired a movement in Canada, and not just any movement. He desired to break the heart of the church and awaken the church towards the vulnerable, the families and the children that were affected in Canada. And secondly, he said, I will show you what that looks like. And I'm like, that's a big, tall order to to work with child welfare in Canada and the church that seemingly was disengaged. And the third thing is, he told me, your burden will be light. And that's a challenge I often give to people that are getting that tug, that God is wrecking them for what the ordinary is. God does desire a movement and he will do it. He will not be trumped by statistics or media, what media is saying, not by circumstances of social workers. Uh, He will not be trumped. God cannot be outdone. And God, we've seen him move. And we've seen him move through Gateway Church. And I'll explain a little bit of what uh, their involvement has been and what God is doing there. Um, He cannot be trumped. And he will show you and his burden is light. We often think of child welfare as like this, it's hard. It is hard. But his burden, when you're in the place, the sweet spot of God, it's not easy, but it is light. And when it becomes too heavy, you, you got to check in. So we're going to look a little bit about what does it mean for the church to engage in child welfare and collaborate. Because as many of you know, um, it's a hot topic particularly in our province of all provinces. We probably are in the most crisis. We have the highest child apprehension rates in North America, not just in Canada. Um, We have the highest percentage of indigenous children disproportionate to any other place in North America. Um, There's so many challenges here. Um, In care? In care, yeah. Yes, in care. Um, and so the, ch- the, the challenge is not lost on us, but God keeps opening doors. And he gave me a vision as well as we were entering into this, that God would bring us before authorities. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. I'm not, a, I'm not a political dude. I just want to do my thing. But he's like, I, are my children not worth it? So when God calls you, he equips the call. To, you, you don't have to feel equipped going into it, but God will equip you along the way. And sure enough, I, I argued with God, and God always wins. And, and I said, God, if you, yes, the children are worth it. I will get over myself, and I will go wherever you, you go, but you've got to open those doors. And I kid you not, God has opened so many doors before authorities, the general authority, the CFS, I just got a letter yesterday from them, and, um, and before the Ministry of Families, before different authorities across our nation. Not that I'm looking for, but God is pursuing the church. He desires a movement, and he's giving us great opportunities in these tragedies. So there's been a lot of neat opportunities. In our, um, is there any questions? Feel free to interrupt me along the way, by the way. You're going to talk about the customary care. 
We could. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I didn't. Yeah. I thought I was public Okay. Yeah, customary care is something we could probably talk. It's 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 sort of in. Um, there's a lot we could talk. I'm not necessarily the authority on customary care, but it's more of a political thing. It's kind of a repackaged thing of something that has already existed. But I, if we don't get into it here, can we talk yeah, in the break? Absolutely. I'm really interested but I also have a lot of experience with this. I would love for your perspective then too. Yeah. Because I did talk to the person, the person that started customer care, Diane, um, she uh, and I have spoken at length about that, but I haven't been directly involved in it. So, but yeah. So while we were traveling across Canada, um, there were some key discoveries that we've found out and we're still finding out. Um, and you can see them on your notes. I won't have time to go into great detail due to our time. By the way, this I could do in probably a two-day thing, so we could do it in 20 minutes. Um, number one is Canada really, really struggles with relational poverty. We often think that we are a nation that of half, we have a lot of things, and if we can just throw things at the issue, resources primarily, then we can solve the problem. But there's not enough dollar, there's not enough resources, or not enough people to throw at an issue if we're not going to be relational about it. There's a huge relational disconnect between people, between organizations, between people groups, in, even between churches, even between pews. And so that is a, a mentality, a culture that we, are, we as a church have to constantly be aware of, be aware of it in our own hearts that there's a relational poverty and God is not an impoverished God relationally. He desires us to be in relationship with each other, with the world, with God. And um, so that is the number one thing that we saw. That is why we became a network and not a resource center that will will provide. We're not a foundation that will provide grants. We are providing, we're relationship brokers between government and, and indigenous, between the church and, and other organizations because we believe that it, it takes a community, it takes a village to raise a child and that child welfare is not a government issue. It is a community issue and it is a community of God issue because as somebody mentioned earlier, God was the initiator of child welfare. You put the church in place. If you look, look back at Roman times, they were the ones going and taking the children that were abandoned outside the city walls. And uh, God is a relational God. And child welfare is on a continuum. We're all affected by child welfare. We're only one tragedy away or five tragedies away from being the same place as the people in care. And, um, and we have to, to realize that it's a slippery slope too from we can prevent... And then there's foster care, adoption, and those children that are aging out of foster care. Um, it's all part of child welfare. It's not just adoption. We can't just look at the adoptive world. Yes, we have adopted, and there's need for families. But that we're not. We're just going after one thing. If we're thinking, okay, now the church should all adopt. Well, if we can go upstream a little bit, we can also prevent families from breaking down. And God is a restorative God. And so these are things. Part of his nature. Um, number three, uh, churches are fearful of child welfare and indigenous cultures. That is a huge thing that comes across over and over again is the, the, the attitude of fear. And there's a lot of fear when we talk in churches in general um, about child welfare. 
One pastor said, well, you realize, though, if you're inviting us to get involved in child welfare, that's a very dangerous, risky thing. And I knew where he was coming from. It is, because we all have stories from social workers or or children or situations that have gone bad. We've all read things and seen things in the media that it's not pretty. It's not a beautiful thing with some of the tragedies that have happened with children and and even affected good Christian homes and and, and really um, wrecked havoc. But the thing is, God didn't call the church to be safe. God called the church to get into the trenches in their distress. That is pure and, and, and religion is to help people in their distress, not out of them. It's not about sanitizing them off and letting them sit on our pew. It's about getting into their distress and it is messy. It definitely is messy. And the end of the day, God's not going to say, well done church, you played it safe. They'll say they'll look at the child. He'll look at the child welfare system in Canada and and the, the calamities that are happening, and it is getting progressively worse. He'll look and say, "Okay, if the question isn't where is God in all of this? Where is God's people in all of this?" And and it is really a call to the church to rise up. That it isn't a lost war. God cannot be trumped. God's church is resilient. Yes, we've had some mistakes. So have the people of Israel for 40 years. We've had 50, 150 years of residential schools and tragedies and and the church colonizing other people. And yes, it's tragedy, but God is a redemptive God. God is a restorative God. And he is calling the church to rise up for these, these children and these families. And we have to get over our fear and um, lean into the faith. So number four, Christians who care for vulnerable children often feel isolated in their church communities. We often hear a lot of uh, adoptive and foster families or birth families that are struggling with their children. Um, There's a a sense of isolation um, that they feel that they can't be real about what their needs are because they say, well, that's... That's why I would never sign up for foster care. See, that's that's difficult. I, I, or God hasn't called me to that, so therefore, <laughs> wish you well. Um, rather than wrapping around those and saying, these are our children that God has brought into our church family. And so it's that family mentality that we have to get over. It's not just the biological family and plan B you take in others. It's that church family saying, you know what, we are a body of Christ. You are my brother. You're not just like my brother. You are my brother. So our behavior changes when we we really are like family. We will help each other. When you're hurting, I'm hurting. When you need a casserole, he will go bring you a casserole because we're family. We don't just leave each other stranded. And it's not just a seven every seven days that we meet on Sunday. It's a community. It's a it's a family um, ordeal. So, but we do see a lot of isolation um, for those that do get involved in child welfare. Number five, Canadian churches have limited theological foundation for understanding family and social justice concerns, leading to a humanistic and colonial acts of service. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we do good. Sometimes we say, hey, let's go build an orphanage, for example. Let's go. Without understanding the theological... God created the family to raise children. God puts the lonely in families, not into institutions. Right. 
And so we, we don't have necessarily the, the deepest concept of who God is, that God is our Abba Father. He's not just like our Abba Father. He, we can go to Him. And sometimes the church in Canada, we have attachment issues with our Abba Father. We don't know that we actually can go to God. We have to be self-sustaining. We, we have to be kind of working it out on our own. And so having a deeper understanding of our theology of who the family of God is, who God is, and uh, how God is always a God of including the marginalized. His heart is for the fatherless. His heart is for the fatherless. It's not something that the church needs to pray for. God, show me if I should get involved with the, the children that are vulnerable. Show me, God, if I should help the, the newcomer mom that's struggling. No, it's, it's in our manual. It just, the question is not, should I? The question is, how should I? What is my piece in the child welfare puzzle is often what we look at. And so everybody has something to offer because you're part of the family of God. And so it's a family thing. We just do it. One might be a good plumber and help a foster family. One might be a good driver. One might be a good prayer warrior. One might be just an encourager. But there's always something. It's not just their issue. It's a family of God issue because that's God's heart for the fatherless. And lastly, people want to care. They really do. That's the other thing that we found. You know, even the person that is so most disconnected from child welfare, there's not one in the church, I think, that are so cold-hearted. Like, Pharaoh, like, ah, oh, just put them in the river. No, people want to care. They really do, and they have hearts of compassion. But sometimes we just don't know how and how to do it effectively. Sometimes we're just not informed in the ways we can do it. So that kind of lays the premise of why we started, why God led us to start Forever Families of Canada, which is a national network that three things that we do, we connect, it's that relational poverty thing, we make connections, we're a relationship broker, we equip, it's about educating and showing how can we do better. It's not just us, we're not the educated ones. We bring in people from all spheres who are good at what they're doing. The professors, it might be a birth mom that has something to say to a church. It might be a, somebody from government or another organization. It's not about fervor families, it's about educating each other and equipping the church, even in theology as well. And lastly, mobilizing, because faith without works is dead. Right. And so people want to do good things, but there's such a chasm often how if you have the best intentions and God called you to get involved in child welfare, where would you start? I'd call you. All right, that's a good start. <laughs> because I like connections. I love connections. And, and it's not about serving for our families. But I'm like, you love doing this. I know a social worker that needs that. You like doing this. Hey, church, would you like to do a project like this? It is about building those connections. And so that doesn't just happen overnight. Sometimes we've been working on this five years, and sometimes people will say, Wow, God just opened the door and CFS invited us to like reunify a family. Look at that. Or God just opened the door and, and now they want us to, to serve a meal for kids aging out of the system. Those things don't just happen if we don't build trust and relationships and connection. Because I can tell you the many times, I love doing it, but it's awkward. I'm the church lady that goes into those places the church hasn't been in and we sit at those meetings and they're like, crickets. Because they're, like, they're not sure what to do with the church, right? Until you give them a new narrative. Until you give them another understanding of who the church is. And that you actually like them. You're not there to badger and say, oh, social services suck. 
oh, like, oh man, we could do a better job. Because of spiritual pride, right? It's just like, tell us what we need to know. What are, what are the needs that you have? How can we support you in what you're doing? Because it's a community issue. And, I don't, it, and even the minister of families, the one at the time, she was having a really rough week. And we just happened to, so happened to have a meeting with her that week. And we brought her a Starbucks. And she says, I have never had anybody do this for me. <laughs> she was tearful because we were just saying, you know what? It's a tough week. And you know what? There are a lot of things str- being, like, struggling in our child welfare system. But I want you to know it's not just your job. There is a community that is not doing their job either. And we show us what we need to do so that we can mobilize the church, give us opportunities so that we can help support the system. And ultimately, it's the heart of God to care for the vulnerable. And we've relegated it often to government. And um, so, yeah. Um, so I did, I, I'm like an organizational development person. I like those kind of things. If, it, if you don't like it, don't worry. You can skip this part. SWOT analysis. I was homeschooling my son last year, and I'm not a teacher. So I got him to do SWOT analysis of what he thought about the education system. I did a SWOT analysis about things that we've observed with the Canadian church. And I apologize if it's not as relevant to U.S., but I think there's a lot of commonalities here, too. Um, the strengths... We do have a biblical framework for community. This isn't a new thing that we're inventing. We're not inventing saying, hey, guys, we should be community. No, that's who we are. We are an ecosystem ready for the vulnerable. If we are the community, if we have that biblical framework, we're good to go. We've got it all. We've got professionals in it. We've got theologians in it. We've got a community that should be set up um, to take in the most brokenhearted. Um, number two, we are resource rich. We have so many resources at our disposal. Intelligence, financial, um, all kinds of different things that could support our communities in ways that we just don't know where that used car seat should go. Um, but it could be a game changer whether that family takes home their child or it goes through foster care because they, they're not set up adequately. True story. Happens all the time. And so we do have a lot of strengths we are muscle, we are ripped if we, <laughs> yeah. for child welfare. We just are working out at the gym, maybe more than pulling the heavy lifting and carrying the, the weight of, of the society. We could be out plowing the fields and putting it to good use. And the other thing is, we're everywhere. We've like 24,000 churches across Canada. We're in every single little community almost. Um, everywhere across Canada. And child welfare is everywhere. There's needs in every little community. And the, God has already strategically put these churches. And we talked to Salt and Light. That God's putting us in places that only God can do. So we're ready to go. Uh, some of the weak, uh, I'll do weaknesses are self-sustainability. We look out for self uh, we don't necessarily that attachment issue with God. We don't necessarily live by faith, operate beyond what we can do. We work within our means. And so that can be a, a big weakness because some of these needs are beyond our capacity. And that's exactly what God wants to do. We often think that um, the child or the vulnerable family needs the church. But the church actually needs the vulnerable to understand the heart of God and to put us beyond ourselves, to get over ourselves. So, so it is a weakness. 
At this point, and number two, relational poverty and the disconnect from the crisis. Uh, We're not connected to the issue, so it isn't our issue. Um, It doesn't hurt us because we're not hurt by it. Uh, We're not so close in relationship that it really um, grabs hold of our hearts. Um, So we're disconnected. And third, ignorance. Ignorance in theology and social issues. Ignorance in our history that we're all treaty people and that we have this relationship with our indigenous brothers and sisters that it's not just a good idea. Um, We are people called, if anybody can do truth and reconciliation, it should be the church because God is a reconciliatory God. Are we time up? Nope. Okay. We're at 1230, but then once you guys are done in here, go to your, it's the clock's right there. Right there. Go right to your next workshop. Okay. We'll scoot through here. Um, So, Greatest Opportunities, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That's often a topic that the church is kind of not familiar with. Go look it up. Uh, It's something the Government of Canada has initiated. There's a huge section on the church. Um, I think the church should be leading in reconciliation because God is a reconciliatory God. They're even using our theological terms. Um, We could be leading in that, and we are pursuers of truth. God is truth. And so we don't have to be afraid of seeking truth, afraid of being exposed to truth. Um, Truth will set us free. And so, yeah. The stumbling block is the fact that the church was the property of the whole Huge. Yeah, it's huge. And that's why if my people will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there will be healing in our land. So there's actually, TRC, we can come up with all kinds of kumbaya experiences through government experiences, but if the church is not going to be part of it, if we're not letting Christ be part of it, a lot of it is humanitarian. A lot of it is superficial, unless God can bring redemption to it. So we as a church have a huge opportunity. Um, but to face those giants and to say, I've never been rejected once for saying, hey, I know the church has skeletons in our closet and I'm sorry. And that's not why I'm here today. I'm here to learn. I'm not here to fix the solution, but teach us what we as a church need to know. I was speaking at a National Indigenous Gathering um, last year, no, earlier this year, and I was speaking to a whole bunch of like chiefs and different things. There was no rejection in that. And in fact, they're saying, it's about time. Yeah. It's about it time. Part of servitude, eh? Right. We don't have it together. Well, we we don't. We, the church, cause the problem. We should be part of the solution. Right? Yeah. And it's not just for the bishops in a high office. It's for everyday people. That person that does customary care, that that was uh, kind of rolling that one out, her and I, we had this conversation. We had this exact conversation, and she says, wow. She says, this right here, this is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to have those conversations and not be afraid to have, we don't have to have all the answers. In fact, it's good if we don't. It's good if we're asking the right questions and just being friends. God is a relational God, and a lot of restoration comes through learning together and just being humble about it. So that's a huge opportunity. Child welfare crisis is an opportunity because they are desperate, 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 desperate for other solutions and people to to help carry the weight. These social workers are overworked, underpaid. Um, Quite frankly, they're they're not called to be the hands and feet of Christ like the church is. And so there's a huge opportunity that God has been opening to us. Um, There is freedom. We have a democratic society. There's freedom to go up to your minister. There's freedom to go up to a birth mom. There's freedom to um, be the church in in these uh, difficult places. And the threats in the church, competing preoccupations is probably a huge one that we often overlook because we're busy. We do church. 
Um, we don't necessarily have a grid for that. Our children's pastors, our family pastors are doing flannel graphs or PowerPoints, and that's okay, but we don't necessarily have margin for those that wouldn't fit into those settings. We don't necessarily, we're not necessarily trauma competent or FASD competent to really be welcoming to let the little children come unto Jesus. And so sometimes we're very busy and um, doing church. Uh, two, we have a sociopolitical mindset of that's a, the government's issue. Um, let's just stay to ourselves and be pure. Um, and so we, we disconnect from that. Another threat is fear. Again, fear is a huge um, threat to us getting involved. And which the flip side of that of fear is spiritual pride that we we've got it together. And so then let's just let's invest in what we we're really good at, and and it feels better. Definitely feels better. So to end, um, sorry, we got late started, and I was hoping for a little more conversation. Maybe we can do that. I'll be here a little bit later too. What it comes down to is what's my piece, and I do I even have it here with me? No, I didn't bring it. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I was going to give you each a little piece of the puzzle. But each one of you has a unique piece. It doesn't look like the person beside you. But God has created us with different gifts and abilities. He's not asking you for something he didn't create you for. God's plans and purposes are for good and, and not to harm you. And he has equipped you to be a part of the child welfare puzzle. It might not be fostering. It might not be adopting. It, it might be in leadership roles. It might be in prayer roles. It might be in a variety of things that God will show you. God desires a movement. He will show you. And his burden is light. And so I just left you with some questions that you can think, think about. Who am I? I'm a child of God. Yes, there's huge giants before me, but I'm a child of God and God God cares for these children and that we need to get over ourselves who we think we are and, and look at the biblical sense of who am I and how has God created and equipped me for and do so with courage what are my gifts and abilities what are my areas of influence that I could have an impact on the, the lives of others and where are the finger oh it got cut off where are the fingerprints of God just like we chase God through Canada to figure out what God is calling us to do. There's fingerprints all around you. There's children and families all around you. And so different people will see different things. God speaks to you in unique ways and he can be trusted in that. And just go with an attitude of curiosity. And the other thing is who is my neighbor? Who are those around me? And I'm not just talking about the ones around you in the pew, in your church community. What about in your schools or your your government or the um, the places of work? Um, who are the people around you? They have something to teach you. Um, God will use them to minister to you just as much as you can minister to them. What are their gifts and abilities? And let's not be afraid to work together with others. Um, and ultimately, how am I loving them? How are how am I showing God's love to them? And so there's three steps you can, that you can take. First, stop what you're doing and just relate. We are so consumed with going after our time and, and, and goals and, and all these things are good. But first and foremost, we need to stop and relate. God stopped his busyness to spend time with a tax collector. God stopped his busyness. 
busyness, to have tea with Zacchaeus. Stop and relate to those around you. God has already put you into a rich, rich mission field. Um, and we just need to stop and relate and see people as people. See government as, as people. See the birth mom as people. See that child that is getting on everybody's nerves as a person, first and foremost. And um, then educate. Um, get edu- yourself educated. Um, we're, we're offering a, a Belong Summit now in November. It's going to be hosted here. It's primarily uh, purpose to connect people uh, from all different spheres, but also to educate and equip the church, and then to get activated. And we're just finishing, but you can, you can come in. Um, and we're doing a thing with it's too bad I don't have time but we're doing a thing with Gateway right now with Care Portal and um, there's a video you can go online I have the link up there check it out because we're actually doing this we're piloting with the the government um, a project that we want to bring across Canada of connecting community needs with the the postal code of your church um, so that we can connect you in real time as social workers present the needs a lot of opportunities. Any last questions before we go? I know I always talk too much. Yes. Yes. I could connect you. Definitely. And you should come to the, the CAFO conference. It's going to be in Kentucky this next May. Um, it's a great conference to get started and get you connected to it. You guys are so lucky. Here we have just like a handful of organizations to connect to. You have hundreds. And there's some really good people. If you tell me what your interest is, I, could, I might know the organization to, to plug you in with. There's some great stuff.